0: So, Mark ten, uh, starting at thirteen, and it's entitled "The Little Children and Jesus." Jesus, oh, sorry, people were bringing little children to Jesus to have Him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus, when Jesus saw this, He was indignant. He said to them, "Let the little children come to Me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these." I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, like a little child, will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. Thanks, Jeanette. Well, one of the things that we, I think, tend to love about babies, uh, apart from their soft, cuddly cuteness, uh, is that they are too young to have developed an attitude. They're all just sort of wide-eyed wonder, accepting dependence, just like we saw with little Emily up here. It's all very innocent and cute. But eventually that changes, doesn't it? Pretty soon there's an attitude to everything. There's an attitude to food, to dressing, to bedtime, to parents, to toys, to other kids, and then comes an attitude to school and to teachers and to homework, to chores, and again, to other kids. And then there's an attitude towards clothes and money and work and church and the opposite sex and still other kids as well. Not to mention just attitude, full stop, right? That pure, potent, concentrated attitude that you might find in a preteen or a teenager. But we all struggle with attitude, don't we? I think as we, as we get older, we get so much better at hiding it, you know, pretending we don't have an attitude, we're all nice people, but it's there, deep down, and we have an attitude to all the same sorts of things that our kids do, towards food, towards toys, grown-up toys, towards authority figures, family, money, work, study the opposite sex, other people, religion, church, God, all of it, we have attitudes towards these things. And so much of Jesus' ministry when He uh, walked the earth for those three years was to challenge people's attitudes. I mean, yes, He came to challenge their beliefs and their actions and their lifestyles and their worldviews, but he certainly also wanted to challenge their attitudes. And so one such occasion, I think, is in this short story we've just read. He seeks to change people's attitudes towards kids, to be more like his own. And he seeks to change people's attitudes towards himself and towards the kingdom, to be more like a kid's. And so we want to consider both sides of that coin this morning, but before we do that, we just need to mention where we are in the Gospel of Mark. So, this passage in chapter 10, it sits in the kind of middle section of Mark, chapters 8 to 10, which is all about humility and discipleship. It's all about the way of the cross, which is denying ourselves, putting others before ourselves, serving people above ourselves, and of course, being as humble as babies. This is what it means to follow Jesus. And so, first of all, we're encouraged to have an attitude like Jesus towards kids. I wonder what your attitude towards kids is. You know, are you one of those people who, who really loves engaging with kids? You know, it gives you energy, it's, 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 it's a wonderful thing, it's such a joy. Or are you someone who finds them weird, unrelatable? like little aliens, like I don't talk to them anymore, you know. Are you someone who adores babies because they're just so nice and cute and cuddly, but you've got no time for older kids because they've got an attitude? Or maybe you like connecting with older kids because at least they can talk and move and do stuff, but when it comes to babies who can't talk or can't move or can't throw a ball, it's like, wait till they're older. In Old Testament Israel, kids were meant to be regarded as part of the covenant community, uh, part of the promise community, as we called it, recipients of God's promises, in relationship with Him, His children. But somewhere along the way, the attitude changed. And so, by the time of Jesus, kids were considered, like, inferior and second-rate. They weren't important to society until, until they were sort of Adults and maybe could work or, or that sort of thing, and so they would be neither seen nor heard, and and hence in this story you get the disciples rebuke of parents bringing their kids to Jesus and sort of saying, you know, he doesn't have time for the kids. Who's got time for kids? You know, keep them away. But Jesus has a vastly different attitude. He restores the view that God had intended among His covenant people, which is that kids were to be fully included. He embraced the children in every sense of the word. He welcomed them. He he blessed them, it says, and He cuddled them, literally. He extends open arms to the kids just as He does to other second-rate citizens. Of that society, citizens, often people labelled as sinners, tax collectors, lepers, lepers foreigners, even women, all second-rate, Jesus embraces them all, includes them all, loves them all. And so, He says here in this passage, He says, let the little children, or in, in the Luke version, let the babies come to Me and do not hinder them, for the Kingdom of God belongs to such as these." And what He means about the Kingdom, we're going to come back to in a moment, but right now, it's good to just focus Uh, and and learn from Jesus' attitude and His inclusion of kids, His embrace. Because His time was not too precious for children. His ministry was not exclusive of them. He came into the world, this is what He's saying, He came into the world for them as much as He did for adults. He saw them as children of God, and He extended them God's favour by His sheer invitation. And this is part of the reason that we we baptise our kids in this church. Because Jesus welcomes them and He blesses them. He makes them children of God. And He extends them God's favour. And if He were here today, we know without a doubt He would take little Emily and give her a big cuddle and all the other kids as well. And bless them. But what about our society? What is the attitude towards kids in our society, which we are a part of. Well, I think on the one hand, it's really positive. It's really positive. There's all sorts of support structures that are put in place to encourage child rearing and and child development and child education. You know, kids of all cultures, kids of all abilities have opportunity to grow and to flourish and to lead meaningful lives. And we should support it and affirm it and encourage it. On the other hand, there is a negative and a sinister undercurrent. Unborn babies, if unwanted, are disregarded completely. Their personhood is defined not by God and and His image, but by desire and that alone. And family is eroded and undermined by absurd gender theories and all sorts of other things. Without a doubt, Jesus would have loved the unwanted children, and without a doubt, He would have guided the misguided children and helped them. He would have embraced them, taught them, invited them so that they could learn Him and know His ways in a world that, in many ways, is failing them. And the Bible talks often about God's heart for the orphans, those who were not wanted or We're without parents. And so we do need to resist society's undermining of kids and family, to affirm and support the good stuff, absolutely, but to also resist the negatives, not just by advocacy and pushback or opinions, but by displaying a better way, by discipling a better way, by showing a better attitude towards children, just like that of Jesus. Because even in the church, we can tend to keep kids out of sight and out of mind. You know, we say, oh, they're the church of tomorrow, we have to invest, but they're actually a vital part of the church today. And this is is what our Reformed Covenant theology promotes so highly. Kids are full, active members in our churches. They're disciples of Jesus. They're not just these kind of half-formed, potential, you know, unconverted, semi-humans. They're children of God. And by the way, for uh, those part of the church here, this is why our denomination is wrestling with and, and changing its stance on kids participating in the Lord's Supper. Because we've too often made them feel like they don't belong by that practice. Or that they're not there yet. But that isn't really consistent with our theology. They are disciples, like us. But there'll be more of that next week at our AGM. But again, discipleship is what it's all about. Discipleship. When Jesus welcomes the kids and He says, don't hinder them, don't block them in any way, He's calling them to be disciples, to know Him, to learn Him, to follow Him. And this is the call that's included in baptism, for Emily, for all of our kids. And so if our kids' programs, for example, kids at church, if it's just about getting our kids out of our hair for an hour or so each week, then we've got the wrong idea. It's a terrible idea. But if they're about teaching Jesus and partnering with parents to disciple our kids, well, then we're under something good. After all, our agreed attitude in this church is let's learn Jesus together. Together. And that includes the kids. Let's lead people towards Jesus. <laughs> and that, of course, includes the kids. That's who we lead. And let's love like Jesus, which, of course, if it's like Jesus, includes the very least. That's our vision and mission statement, by the way. We have so much that we can share with our kids in the gospel, in Christ. They naturally and consistently learn from us, especially by copying us, and, and if they live with us, and all the rest of it. So we're to show them Jesus, show them the way of the cross, show them humility, show them all of this stuff, show them the gospel. But it's not a one-way street. If we, if we help each other learn Jesus that means the kids also teach us, doesn't it? And, and woe on us if, if, if we're ever too proud to learn from the kids or if we're ever unteachable to what they might have to show us. We have so much to learn from them. This is what Jesus' next words are about. It's an attitude like kids towards Jesus. See, I think one of the problems in our society is the relentless push for individualism and premature independence. So, on the one hand, individualism can tend to ignore kids until they function on their own, as an independent unit, an individual unit. And on the other hand, this then leads to, sometimes, a premature independence, such as, for example, the push that young kids can be allowed to start transitioning their genders without any regard for the guidance and even the authority of their parents. But it's the very dependence of children and of babies that Jesus wants us to learn. Look at little Emily here. She's totally dependent on mum for sustenance and hygiene and warmth and protection. She's dependent on extended family and on the church family for further modelling and care and spiritual food. And of course, she's dependent on God for life and health, for growth and for redemption. But it's the same for all of us, isn't it? We are dependent on God for our life breath in our lungs, for food in our bellies, for clothes on our back, for shelter over our heads and for the salvation of our souls. I mentioned it a few weeks ago when we were in the Leviticus series, how being forgiven and washed clean of sin, and again we have that water symbol in the baptism, it's like a baby being washed in a bath. You know, uh, they cannot do it themselves. Someone has to hold them up, to scrub them, to dry them, to clothe them, all of it. And so it goes for us spiritually. We cannot do it ourselves. Without Jesus, we are helpless. And we kind of sit in our filth without His washing. And so we need the same attitude as babies, to be completely dependent and and content in that dependence. Free in that dependence. This is what Jesus means when He says, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. It means receiving the kingdom as a gift. The kingdom, redemption, salvation, life, it is a gift. It's unearned, undeserved, unmerited. Mind you, it's not like receiving a a birthday present, which you just don't really want or need. Oh, you know, cool, mum, thanks, new pair of undies. It's not like that. It's you receiving it like a child given the gift of a parent, and the gift of a parent's love and protection. because that's what Jesus offers, adoption, the fatherhood of God. And with that comes identity and meaning and purpose and hope. See, because our independence, our control is a hoax. The Bible tells us over and over again that without God, we are lost. We're lost. We are hopeless, directionless. We are effectively lifeless. We depend on Him for all meaning, for everything. And again, this is at the heart of discipleship, of learning and following Jesus. It's an admission of hopelessness that moves us to seek a Savior. It's an admission of dependence that moves us to seek a good Master and a good Lord, a King a loving and compassionate Father. This is why Jesus says two chapters earlier, in chapter 8, that whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the Gospel will save. If you claim and you cling to the notion of independence and of control, you'll, you'll lose everything. But if you can accept dependence, And weakness, you'll be saved. That's why he says one chapter earlier, that whoever wants to be first must be the last, and the servant of all. Or later in this chapter, that whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom for many. God's kingdom does not have a hierarchy or a class structure like our societies do. The greatest are not the wealthiest, or the most popular, or the most powerful. God's kingdom is upside down. The greatest are the slaves and the servants, the children, the poor, the unpopular, the outcasts. Blessed are they, for they shall inherit the earth. And if you really want to live, if you really want to live, you need to be like the least and serve the least. That's abundant living. Baby-like faith, it is about surrender. Giving up control and entitlement and selfishness and accepting Jesus as Saviour and Lord. That's our prayer for Emily and our other kids. That's our prayer for each other on an ongoing basis, isn't it? And that's our prayer for you, if you don't know Jesus. To find freedom in surrender. Life in the way of Christ. And salvation in following Him. So I want to finish just very quickly with these three encouragements summing it all up. Firstly, welcome and include kids as Jesus did. Whether they're yours or not, love them, bless them, disciple them, encourage them, and pray for them. Help them learn Jesus, love them like Jesus does, and lead them more and more towards Jesus, and as well as the kids with those who are struggling. those who are weak, or humble, or lowly. Secondly then, accept Jesus as kids do. Acknowledge your dependence, surrender your so-called control, and find freedom and life and salvation in Him. It's counterintuitive, but I guarantee In doing so, you discover a joy you've never known before. The less that we control or try to control, the happier we can be. If we can trust in a father who is perfect and good and loves us. And then thirdly, just putting these two things together. If you're a parent here, depend on God with the lives of your children. Trust that they are in His hands. Seek His help in raising them and raise them His way. Don't try to lord it over them or own them or, what do they say, live vicariously through them, but be stewards who serve them. Just as Jesus serves us, that's the calling. And more than anything, serve them with the Gospel, with Christ Himself, With the good news of freedom from sin and eternal life. And then let him do the rest by his spirit and in his love. Let's pray. Father, this morning we want to pray for our kids. We want to thank you for them, and we want to ask, Lord, that you will bless them, just as Jesus did that day here on earth. We thank you that you are a God who includes them and welcomes them and loves them, watches over them, cares for them, and also disciples them. And Lord, we want to ask that you would help us to do that as well. Lord, we thank you for our babies, for our toddlers, our preschoolers, our young children, preteens, teenagers, older youth, young adults. Lord, we just, we thank you and we pray that they might know Jesus. We might show him to them. And we might learn him together. We pray, Lord, that you give us the same attitude towards those who are struggling. To other outcasts of our society, to the unwanted, to the misguided, to those who are doing it tough in whatever way. May we never walk past them. May we always have a heart for them. And may that turn into action. Help us to be like Jesus in that. And Lord, help us to be like Jesus as we approach you. Help us to be humble and lowly. Help us to be like kids, fully dependent, fully reliant on you and on your love. Help us to find freedom in surrender, hope and joy in letting go and the wonders of the gospel, the eternity of the kingdom in having a master and a lord and a king and a father who is good and compassionate, gracious and merciful. In Jesus' name, Amen.